You're listening to Why Try, the podcast. I really, truly believe that if you're passionate about something and you do it well and you do it with love, you're, you're going to end up being successful in one way or another. This week, I had a lot of fun talking with Alex Wilson, founder of The Hungry Hero. The Hungry Hero is a bakery located in Sherwood, Oregon that produces fantastic cakes, desserts, and cookies. Uh, specifically, they have this chocolate chip cookie or chocolate cookie with potato chips in it as probably one of the greatest innovations of the last decade. It's super good. We talk about how he develops recipes and ideas and his journey in creating this business. I think you'll really enjoy our conversation. A lot of my stuff is based off of like childhood, uh, things I had when I was a kid. I was a fat kid. (laughs) I really (laughs) like dessert. One of our most popular items is called our Debbie bar. It's actually named after my mom. It's a pretty basic dessert, but it's like a graham cracker and butter and sea salt crust and then coconut, chocolate chips, and potato chips. And then we put a sweet glaze on it. And that's probably our number one seller. That's something that my mom would make um, when we were kids, like Christmas and stuff like that. So that's probably our most popular. And then our second most popular is our chocolate potato chip cookie. And we actually put crushed Ruffles potato chips in it. I don't even make regular chocolate chip cookies anymore because... They're not, they don't sell compared to this one. So yeah, it's probably our second most popular dessert, definitely. Yeah, I think that was the first thing I tried from your store. The chocolate potato chip? Yeah, the chocolate potato chip. And my parents thought that, I'm like, oh, potato chips, really? Yeah. And then I tried it like, oh, dang. Yeah, <laughs> you, don't, you don't know that it's there, but it adds that salty bite and that crispiness. Yeah, Absolutely. it's definitely, definitely Absolutely. good. How does that process look for developing something from just kind of that like inkling of an idea to something that you're serving more regularly as like a menu item if i get an idea i usually kind of test it when i have like a few minutes like a few free minutes i never kind of i never really have time to actually sit down and recipe test it's just i usually think of stuff when i'm laying in bed watching tv or reading a book things kind of come to me and then in between my prep during the day i'll just if i have a few extra minutes kind of whip something up really quick just to try it and see or i'll start prepping for it and get back to it in a few hours but that's usually how it goes um i kind of i never let customers try tests ever i don't ever let anybody try a test of something the only people that get kind of force fed is either my family or my husband or employees i'll bounce things off of them and even then usually it takes a good i don't know 10 to 15 trials of things before i'll actually even consider selling it i'm pretty particular about what i put out so yeah that's really interesting would you mind sharing the origin story of your business yeah so i started in the design industry and i actually did um, event planning and weddings with a focus kind of in high-end weddings so budgets of a hundred thousand and up so in 2009 the market crashed and everything kind of went down nobody was paying for weddings anymore nobody's paying for design work it just kind of crashed and I honestly was getting really tired of the amount of work that it took to be an event planner and doing wedding coordinating. I was finding like brides were super, super needy. I love the industry and I love working with brides and couples, but getting phone calls at 11 o'clock at night from a mother-in-law asking me questions or a bride panicking because the color of a flower is a shade off, it just became too much. And so when the market crashed in 2009, it was kind of my opportunity to do something different. I decided to put myself through culinary school and I focused on desserts. I've always been kind of a foodie. Um, 
I'm a huge fan of Papa Hayden's, which ironically ended up doing some externship there, um, which was awesome. Um, but they specialize in amazing dessert. That was kind of what I was drawn to was gorgeous desserts and cakes and things like that. And I had no idea how to do any of it. I just was drawn to it. And I thought this is something creative. This is something that um, I could potentially still work in the wedding industry. Um, and I get to eat. <laughs> so that's what I did. I put myself through culinary school around, I think I was 22 or 23. And uh, it was a big change. I went from making six figures, working in the design field to living back at home and making no money and a college student again. And it was a big change. It was definitely drastic. After culinary school, I tried working for other people and I just found that I went from working for myself in the design industry to working for someone else. And I just, it, it wasn't working for me. Not that I'm like a, a bad employee or anything like that, but I, I just really hate being told what to do. I like kind of doing my own thing. So, um, I probably started my business a little sooner than I should have, but I was kind of hell bent on doing my own thing. I had kind of expressed an interest in maybe getting into dessert tables or, you know, wanting to do something like that. So I kind of started baking at home, creating recipes. Actually, even before I started creating recipes, I started, you know, just trying stuff out of cookbooks and things. I'm a huge Barefoot Contessa fan, huge Martha Stewart fan. So I would use a lot of those recipes to kind of hone my skills, basically. And then from there, kind of created my own stuff. I mean, I just I had a passion for it. I love food and it just kind of went from there. So when you first started your company, what did it look like? <laughs> I could not figure out a name. I couldn't figure out a logo. Um, it was honestly chaotic. I mean, there was a lot of, a lot of, I was super passionate about it. So every single day I was baking something, I was making something, um, gained a lot of weight, <laughs> testing recipes and force feeding my husband things and lots of tears. Yeah. <laughs> he gained, he gained a good 20 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, there was days where he'd come home from work and I'm standing in the kitchen crying because my French macarons are stuck to my parchment paper and they're not coming out of the oven nicely. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of tough days, but a lot of good successes. And, um, yeah, it was just a lot of trial and error, basically. I mean, trying to figure out what kind of desserts I want, what kind of direction I want to go. Do I want to do things that are more French inspired, Italian inspired, more fancy, more classic American? I mean, there was a lot of different directions to go and, Ultimately, I decided I wanted to do classic American comfort food, you know, layer cakes and cupcakes and cookies and bars, things that I grew up on as a kid, things that I go to now, I gravitate to now as a grown up. You know, I still love that stuff. It makes you feel good. The fancy stuff, I just don't have the patience for, unfortunately. When when kind of determining what direction I wanted to go, it was, I thought to myself, like, how much time do I want to put into a cake? How much time do I want to you know, focus on one dessert when I'm creating things for people. And for me, I call myself a lazy baker. I make everything from scratch, but I just, I don't have the, I don't have the patience to do all that carved fondant and all that gum paste and all that stuff. They were, you know, that kind of cake boss stuff where they have the big sculpted cakes. Like decoration? Yeah. Decoration. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't have the patience for that. I, for me, it's like bake the cake, put some buttercream on it, make it good, and you're good to go. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. So Yeah, well, it seems like people appreciate it. Yeah, it's going good. <laughs> so you mentioned that you started out as a catering company. Mm -hmm. How did you transition from doing catering to having a physical brick-and-mortar store? Uh, initially, my thought, I was, I was renting kitchen space out of a restaurant in Sherwood, and 
initially my thought was I needed my own space. Um, it just wasn't working having the restaurant open and using the ovens the same times the line cooks are there. Um, so I needed my own space and the person who was currently renting the space that we're in now contacted me and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to be giving up the space. Is it something you'd be interested in? And I thought, yeah, you know, I could open up a little kitchen and it's old town Sherwood. So it's not going to be crazy busy. We're not going to have huge traffic. You know, it's not, people aren't just walking around. So initially I thought, Oh, I'll just I, something I can do myself. I can put in an oven and a sink and I can just work out of there and I'll put a few desserts out and, you know, have a little shop and I can run it by myself. And that has not been the case <laughs> at all. Um, it's kind of all consuming now and it's become much bigger than I ever, I ever hoped or dreamed. And yeah, it wasn't initially meant to be what it is now, but it's, it's been amazing. So as you were getting your business off the ground, how did you get your first few customers, either in the catering business or the retail business? Honestly, uh, social media, Facebook. I created a Facebook page for my business. I waited about a year. I created all my recipes. I figured out kind of a general direction of where I wanted to go. And I just social media, Instagram, Facebook, sharing it on Facebook, asking my friends to share it. I initially got my name out there with dessert tables by reaching out to different nonprofits um, like Basic Rights Oregon. And there's an organization downtown called Fame. And I would donate to different events. I would say, hey, can I come and set up a dessert table? I kind of use that as a marketing tool. I had no money to go out and pay for a magazine or, you know, anything like that. So it was just donating to kind of get myself off the ground and get some exposure. Yeah, I think they call that the drug dealer approach, drug dealer marketing. Yeah, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I've never heard it called that before. I don't know what uh, else to call it. <laughs> give away free stuff and get them hooked. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's basically what it was. And it worked for us. I mean, we still... Even now with the success that we've had, we still focus on donating and giving to charities and organizations that we like um, and that we support as a way to market our business. And I found um, that people want to support businesses that support other things. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because a lot of businesses will try to avoid politics like crazy because uh, they don't want to risk alienating anybody. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> so, so, what, so what's the inverse of that? How's that worked out for you? You know, we've had... Um, we made some big choices when we started our business. We're a gay couple and I grew up in Sherwood. It was not gay friendly. I would, yeah, I don't know how, I mean, it is still conservative now, but honestly, growing up here, I would get beat up at school. I got jumped in the park. I got called horrible names on the daily. It just wasn't a great environment. I ended up getting homeschooled my senior year because it was so bad. Like it was dangerous. Um, and I wasn't even out. It was just people making assumptions. I mean, maybe I was obvious. I don't know. I like to dress nice. I, you know, I had a nice bag. I mean, there was all sorts of reasons why I was getting made fun of. I moved from Tualatin, which was like, at the time, it was like Abercrombie and Fitch and Gap. And then I moved to Sherwood. And it's like, it's a field with Wranglers, Cowboy Boots, and Tractors. Like, it was totally different here 13 years ago. So it was, for us being political, we're not necessarily trying to be, but we definitely want people to know where we stand and who we are. And when we first decided to open a business here in town, it was, we actually had a serious conversation about, do we, you know, do we just live and be who we are? are do we let people know we're a gay couple who own a business in town? You know, are we setting ourselves up for potentially putting a target on our back or having our business get vandalized because someone has a narrow view, you know? So that's something we really considered. And 
I mean, it's still something that scares us, but for us, it's like, we have a big pride flag hanging in our window. We have a chalkboard in the window that says we welcome everybody, you know, no matter what your race or sexual orientation or color, it doesn't matter to us. We're, you know, you could be a Trump supporter, you know, coming with a Trump shirt on and we'll still give you a hug and a cookie. You know, we're really, we're nice that way. We, we want to show people that it doesn't matter where you come from or who you are. Everyone can live their own life. Seems like a lot of that is about being true to yourself and being able to be yourself and run a business because it's, it's already hard. It is hard. I, we've, we've been really lucky. We found that by being ourselves and being personal and putting a face to our business and, you know, letting people, they follow our Instagram. Our Instagram wasn't necessarily for our business. It was my personal Instagram. So people can actually see photos of my family and our personal life and Zane and I as a couple. And I think it's actually helped our business. I think that people feel connected to us. They want to, they want to support people that they feel like they know, you know, and we know people by name. We work really hard to make sure we remember names and faces and greet people by name as much as we can. And everyone's important to us. Every single customer, whether you're buying just a cookie or you're coming in and spending a thousand dollars, you know, you're important to us. And we want people to know that. So you mentioned that Sherwood was a difficult place for, for you growing up. Yeah. What made you decide to start a business here? You know, I moved away for a little while. I've lived in Tualatin. I've lived in Tigard. I've lived in Portland. Um, honestly, I like being close to my family and my family all lives here. Um, I've seen Sherwood progress. Uh, we've been to music festivals here, you know, and I've seen two high school boys holding hands together walking. And I've, <laughs> I've been like, I want to walk and walk up to them and be like, I paved the way for you guys, you know? Um, but I don't. Uh, but yeah, we've, I, I just love Sherwood. It's a great community. The type of business that we had, I wasn't going to have a shop where, you know, our cookies are 70 cents, you know, they're two bucks. We wanted to be in a community that could, that we could have a middle to high end product, something that would be um, appreciated here. And Sherwood's just a, a great place for that. Um, and they really do support local businesses. I mean, people are very particular about their local businesses and they, they make sure to, you know, frequent them. So yeah, having family around here and feeling comfortable here, growing up here, it just felt like a natural, you know, a good natural move. And honestly, the rent's really good. It's not downtown Portland. So right. yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking I should really put together something for the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce because I've done a few interviews, with business owners in Sherwood and something that they've all brought up is that sense of community and how valuable it has been for them. It's huge here. I mean, they really, people really rally. They, what I love about it is we, we try to give as much as we can. Um, we just had a fundraiser we did for a family that lost their little boy who got hit by a car. I was hoping to raise like a couple thousand dollars for it. And we ended up raising over 11 grand in one night in like two hours. And it was insane. And that right there, in a world right now where we have so much bad stuff happening and so many negative things, I think Sherwood needed something like that. And it makes me emotional to talk about it because there was like a line down the block and around the corner. And that is just proof right there. Like how amazing Sherwood is, how much people rally and how much they love local businesses and how much they support other members of the community. Um, I've never seen anything like it. We're, what, like 20,000 people in town, and it feels like a city of 500. You know, Old Town feels like the center 
of everything. And it's weird, you know, everyone's name and, you know, everyone knows who you are. And it, it's just fantastic. The whole dynamic of it. As you've gotten the business off the ground, is there anything that's surprised you? Every day. Oh my God. Every day there's something. My expectation was thinking on a financial level, I was thinking to myself, okay, if I do this by myself, all I need to do is sell a hundred dollars a day. I just need to sell a hundred dollars a day to make it worth my while to be there, to pay the rent on the building. Um, you know, to do that. And that's small. That's not very much. That would just be like, I guess gross profit. Yeah. That's kind of what my, where my mind was at. Um, honestly, I really didn't know that much about the industry before I started the bakery. I had worked in the food industry. I'd gone from the design industry where I had my own business. I know how to do my own accounting, all that type of stuff. But I, I had no experience owning a bakery whatsoever. I just knew that I wanted to, bake things fresh and, you know, start simple and do what I love and hopefully people would love it. And that's kind of was my jumping off point. What's the hardest part of your business today? Oh, man, I would say managing people for sure. I love we're, we're very fortunate. We've had really great employees, but definitely managing employees and being a leader is the hardest thing. You have to lead by example on everything. And setting the expectation, but also keeping it a fun place to work and letting your employees know, you know, they're taken care of. I've worked in, I, 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 right after culinary school and during culinary school, I went and worked for different restaurants and there was times where I get called an idiot or I'm not, I'm not going to do good in the industry or, you know, you made that wrong, redo it. Why are you acting stupid? You know, things like that. And I just, that's kind of what pushed me to not want to work for other people and to kind of start a business where we could have employees that, felt safe and comfortable and taken care of. And that, that would probably be the biggest challenge. It wasn't, um, I've never had employees. It's just always been myself or Zane. So handling those different dynamics and the different personalities and, you know, making sure they are taken care of, but also being firm and letting them know what direction you want them to go. And, you know, them representing your business, finding people that represent your expectations and your level of, you know, quality and your whole personality. So what have you learned that's worked well when it comes to people or hiring or anything like that? For us, like I, I look for people who are self-starters. Um, we have one employee right now, her name's Maddie and she's amazing. She's, she came into us still as a culinary student, fresh out of high school. And she walked in one day, handed me a book of her work from culinary school and her resume and said she wanted a job. And I was just blown away right there because that to me was like, awesome. You're in my face. I love it. You know, you've got, you've given me beautiful pictures to look at. Um, and she got hired and she's been my right hand ever since. She's amazing. So somewhat tangentially related, uh, how old were you when you started baking? Um, like I said, I've always been a fat kid. <laughs> I love food. So from a young age, my mom, my mom's not a great baker. She's a really good cook, not a great baker. But whenever can, she would... Can we talk about that for a little bit? Because that's interesting because I've heard people talk about that before, kind of like a jazz versus classical thing. So, like, what's your take on that? Do you, do you think that's like a real thing where people are typically better at like one or the other? For sure. Um, there's kind of a joke in the industry, like pastry chefs can cook and bake and chefs can just cook. Um, <laughs> pastry and doing desserts is more... I don't want to say more of a science, but you have to be more accurate. You have to measure things. You have to do things a certain way. 
you have to fold egg whites into, you know, sugar. it all has to be a certain way. Um, there's no shortcuts. I tell that to my, my employees all the time. You can't take a shortcut. You cannot rush it. You can't cool a cake faster. You can't, you know, you have to do things the right way. You have to do them step by step. Otherwise, the end result isn't going to be consistent. Cooking, you can throw stuff in a pot, taste it, throw stuff in. You don't know how it's going to taste until it's out of the oven when you're baking. You know, it has to be pulled out, cooled, and finished before you know the end result. So there's definitely a huge difference. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm good at cooking, but I'm not good at baking, really. Uh, Where... I don't know. I think I think my sister's pretty good at cooking, uh, but she's a great baker, and I, like I can't even come close to touching what she can do there. Another area I was curious about is what, what do you think makes you entrepreneurial? I'm kind of the person. My my whole motto is "fake it till you make it." I never let anyone know that I'm sweating. I never let anybody know that I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and honestly, I found in this industry, well, and actually in the wedding industry and design industry. I would just be like, yep, I can do that, (laughs) you know, and then figure it out. Never let anybody see me, you know, panic or anything like that. I would just do it. If someone comes to me with a crazy wedding cake design, I will figure it out. I'll practice it and, you know, do what I need to do. And I've just, I've never really had any fear um, about starting a business or pushing through with that. The one thing I had fear about, honestly, was just being out as business owners and as a married gay couple. That was the only thing that really made me nervous, but other than that, starting the business and doing that kind of stuff, it's not, it doesn't scare me. I'm, I'm, I'm probably overconfident actually. I'm, my parents were almost too encouraging. My parents were, you know, you can do anything you can, you know, if you want to do it, let's go. Let's, you know, the one thing they'd make me do, for example, like when I was a kid, I wanted to play soccer and halfway through, I hated it. I was the fat kid on the team that didn't, you know, I wasn't moving very fast. You know, it wasn't working out. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. They put me, they just, they're like, stand there and block the ball with your giant body. Um, so I didn't, I, I didn't like that, but my parents made me finish it. And I think that's, I think that's where I get my drive from. I think, you know, I, nothing, I'm, I'm just, I'm fearless when it comes to anything. You know, I just, I've always been pushed towards, you know, you can be successful, you can do whatever you want. And I've been really fortunate and really lucky. And honestly, I've made good business decisions. There's been a few times where things have been questionable. I'm like, I don't know why I did that. But for the most part, I've been, I've been pretty right on. I feel like I've, you know, I've never done something that's taken me out of my comfort zone to an extreme where I'll regret anything. You know, nothing has ever been too extreme that I can't come back and, you know, tweak it a little bit or change something. So then what do you think it is in general that makes people entrepreneurial? Um, I think for me, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, I like to be in control. I, I'm, I'll be honest and say, I'm just a control freak. I really, I, I feel like if I'm in a situation, if I have a little bit of craziness and I'm in control of everything, it's going to be successful. It's going to be okay. Um, I feel like it just boils down to really not really being told you don't like being told what to do. I mean, for me, that's what it was. I don't really know what the secret is. I know that you need to be pretty fearless. You need to jump into things. You need to be willing to try new stuff. I think the whole fake it till you make it thing is a huge thing. If you portray to people that you're confident in what you're doing, they'll, they'll 
buy into it there, you know, and then you just do it until you're, until you know exactly what you're doing and then you're confident. Um, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of different dynamics. That's kind of where I land though, is that whole thing. I'm just, nothing scares me willing to really try anything to make it work. I'm very, I'm, I'm very dedicated with a vision that I have. And are there any traits besides what you've mentioned that you and your siblings have in common? Yeah, I don't really know how else to explain it. We're all we're all just a, a version of my mother. My mom's very, you know, she just does what she wants to do and she she's just a boss. She's just a badass and she yeah, we're all just we've seen her success and we've seen how well she's done and I think that's a huge motivator for us is living up to what my mom's done and um not in a weird way, you know, not like we have mommy issues or anything, but you know, we want to, we want to show, you know, our parents did a great job. You know, we had a really happy childhood and I I think that we're just all a reflection of that. What is the area of your business where you personally can have the greatest impact? I, I think that I'm going to sound like an egomaniac here, but I've got, I've got several things that I think kind of lend themselves to that. One being, I know what tastes good. I've, I've gotten really good at honing in, you know, how to make flavors pop and how to make things kind of work together. And I'm, it's one thing I'm super confident in. Again, probably overconfident. I'm, I've just, I've never really been beaten up as a person, you know, and told, I've just never been beaten down. I've always been encouraged. And so again, probably overconfident, but that's, that's one thing I feel like I can, you know, bring that someone else might not necessarily be able to, um, empathy is a huge one. Um, I under I feel like I understand people. I, I really care, uh, as far as having employees and being a leader and things like that. I, I'm empathetic to situations and I feel like by having confidence and kind of knowing what I'm doing and really practicing my skills, I feel like I can, you know, I don't know, almost encourage, encourage people, encourage people that work under me to have that confidence and, you know, make people feel good about what they're doing and help them correct things in a positive way. If something's not right. Um, yeah, I mean, one, I'm really working on being a leader. It's easy to work by yourself and it's easy to do your own thing. But for me, I feel like I'm, I'm really starting to kind of shine as a leader it's one thing I feel like I'm really getting good at because I'm focusing on it a lot. How long has that been an active focus for you? Since I started the business, as soon as we had to get an employee, the first employee we got was two years ago when we started the shop. Zane and I kind of did everything um, by ourselves for the first few years. He worked um, in management for Fred Meyer and he was hopping around from store to store wherever they transfer him. And I was working at different restaurants and doing my business on the side and donating dessert tables and, you know, getting little jobs off of Facebook and stuff. But having employees, I feel like has made me much stronger. Um, I think I've told you I'm an anxiety ridden mess. I have horrendous anxiety. And part of the reason I started my business was because I felt like if I worked for somebody else, I could find a reason to call into work. You know, there's days where for some reason, you know, you just don't feel like getting out of bed. You're, you know, you make situations and scenarios up in your head and 
it can be crippling and it's not depression. It's not unhappy. I'm not, I'm not an unhappy person. I'm, I'm thrilled with my life. I love my life. I'm close to my family. I've got great friends. It's not depression. It's just horrendous anxiety. You have these out of body experiences where you see yourself overreacting to situations. And, you know, I've really had to put myself in check. You know, I've had to actually stop and say, you know, pull it together, Alex. You know, I've had to really focus on things like that. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. So how many hours a week are you working now? Oh, Lord. Um, right now, it's kind of slowing down. Wedding season is like April until the end of September, beginning of October for us. So that would be 70, 80, 90 hours a week, depending on how busy we were. Um, right now, 40 to 50. Uh, it's a little bit slower with weddings um, we have corporate events and things like that and other catering but it's simpler stuff i'm not doing three and four tiered cakes i'm not having to deliver seven weddings in a day uh, it's a little bit calmer so that's kind of where we're at right now and i'm working really hard you know to get our employees trained and get them confident so they can kind of take the reins a little bit and we don't have to live at our business because that's what's happening right now <laughs> the first few years you it owns you it still owns us you know it's all i think about even on vacation, I'm thinking, you know, I'm getting inspiration for ideas and wanting to try new places to see what they're doing. And this might come off as kind of a negative question, but what's the biggest reason that bakeries fail? I think in my experience is they try to do too much for people. I've seen personally uh, uh, at least a good half dozen bakeries around the area that have gone under. And I do believe it's because of, oh, I don't want to sound like a jerk, but mediocre product, you know, product that's maybe not doing well. And instead of trying to either improve on that product or really focus on one thing, they kind of try to branch out and throw a whole bunch of different lines out there and see, you know, which one sticks. I feel like that is a big thing. I mean, there's just so many th different things. But for me, I think I feel like leadership and your product, you have to show that you care, mm -hmm. you know, take the time to put good stuff out, you know, focus on freshness. And I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Being involved in your community, huge, give back. Even if you have mediocre product, if you're giving back and you show that you care and you love your community and, you know, you take care of your employees, I feel like you can have a pretty decent business. Yeah, you touched on uh, really like a lack of focus in what they're doing. So they'll, they'll be mediocre at many things and not really good at one thing. A, a recent guest on the podcast shared a good quote, which is basically was that I see more businesses die of indigestion than of starvation. Yeah, yeah. I think it captures the idea. Totally. See, so think about my own life. Like, yeah, I am doing too many things. It's too much. It's you like you only need to do one thing really, really well. Exactly. I'm always reminding myself like you can't be everything to everybody. You know, we are not a gluten free bakery. We are not a vegan bakery. We do not do paleo like we focus on things that are chock full of gluten, butter, sugar, eggs, dairy. You know, we we do what we do and we're going to find our niche. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you are going to have people that get annoyed that you don't offer a certain thing, but that's OK. You know, I always say it's like going to McDonald's and getting mad because they they don't make you a hot dog, you know, or going to 
right. going to Winco and asking for a t-shirt, you know, like you can't do that. They, they're, you, you offer what you offer and people will either buy it or they won't. Do what you're good at. Focus on what you're good at. Keep your focus. And I really, truly believe that if you're passionate about something and you do it well and you do it with love, you're, you're going to end up being successful in one way or another. That makes a lot of sense. So what does success look like to you personally? There's a whole bunch of different ways. Um, obviously, money is great. Not having to worry you know, about paying your bills is fantastic. Success for me is where I'm at right now. I honestly would be content. It'll never happen. I'm gonna, I wanna grow much bigger than we are, but I would be content right now. If it never got better than this, I would be thrilled. I'm, I have three full-time employees that we can, you know, give paychecks to every week. They're supporting their own lives. That's huge for us. I wanna be able to, able to offer health insurance one day. You know, Zane and I are taken care of. We're comfortable, things are good. Um, our customers are happy. We have great reviews online. You know, that right there, I'm, I feel like I'm in it. I'm, I'm here. I could very well just, if I was a normal person, just say, this is good, this is it. I would love to expand though. I would love to have, once I get this location perfect, I would love to have 15 more, you know, find employees that share our values and just keep going. That would be amazing. I would love to see Hungry Hero in grocery stores. I would love to sell dessert sauces and cookie dough and all sorts of things. You know, it's, the sky's the limit for me. I, I don't I don't ever block anything out. I want to let things happen naturally. We're all about natural progression. We're all about not forcing anything, not forcing growth, not forcing opportunities. We let things kind of come to us naturally. And it's it's proven to be super successful for us right now. And kind of down our path, it's, it's been a success. Yeah, that's great. Do you think you'd ever retire or change careers at any point? No. Or change careers? Oh my God, no. I <laughs> I can't imagine doing anything different. Yeah. I, I I could see maybe one day um, down the road, if Hunger Hero is super successful, you know, like a salt and straw or a Blue Star Donuts or one of those types of businesses and, you know, someone comes and offers us a giant chunk of money for it. You know, maybe one day I could see that happening, but I wouldn't retire. I can't imagine not doing anything. I'd probably turn around and start on like a little bistro or something like that. And I'd play it small or maybe I'd have a bed and breakfast or something like that. Maybe I'd go something savory rather than desserts. I could see myself doing something like that, but on a much smaller scale than what I have planned for Hungry Hero. Yeah, I can't imagine retiring. I think the only way I would retire or even consider taking time off of work is if I had a child. Even then, it might be really hard to do because I'm not just passionate about what I do. I genuinely love what I do. 99% of the time, I'm thrilled to get up in the morning. I'm thrilled to go to work. I mean, how you can't be sad when you're working around cake. Like, I get to decorate cake all day. I get to make cookies. I mean... It's all, it's all wonderful. It's great to hear. You have such gratitude for where you're at in your business and in your life. That's just cool. Is there any advice you'd have for someone thinking about starting their own business? Take your time and study and teach yourself. The fastest way to fail, in my opinion, is to rush it. Like I was just saying, natural progression, let things happen naturally. We, the only thing we kind of pushed was getting our location. And the only reason we pushed it is because we did not anticipate the response we would get. I I never thought that I would have lines. I never thought that it would be 
as crazy as it is. I never thought that it would grow like this. I mean, we have already outgrown our space a year ago and I, there's, you know, I hope we can expand soon because we turned down a lot of work. You know, I think that's the biggest thing is just focus on what you're good at, focus on what you, not even necessarily what you're good at, but what you love. If you focus on something you're passionate about and something you love and people pick up on that, I feel like you'll be a success. I feel like a lot of people lose focus. I've lost focus before and I've had to, you know, rein myself in or I've had to, you know, have conversations. There's so many times where I'll just talk to my husband and say, I'll just be bouncing ideas off of him and he won't even say anything. And I'm just hearing myself talking and then something will click in my head and I'll be like, okay, that's not going to work, you know, or he'll say something where he's kind of half listening and I'll be like, yeah, oh, that's right. We could do it this way. You know, like that happens to me all the time. So I think the biggest thing, keep focus, take your time, don't rush into anything. That's when I think you'll trip yourself up by trying to, to do that. And, and you don't need to be everything to everybody. That's what makes you special is not being everything to everybody. You're not Walmart. You know, you can't have clothes and groceries and all this stuff. You need to focus on what you do and stick to it. Don't try to spread yourself too thin. Well, Walmart's not even everything to everybody. There That's are true. People who don't shop at Walmart. That's true. Yeah. Look at Target. They have groceries now. I mean, yeah, they've got a location right next to Walmart and they both do fine. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Target brand or Target customer and a Walmart customer. So if you could go back in time, say like five years and give yourself an extra hour a day, how, how would you spend that hour? Mm, relaxing. Well, what's your favorite thing to do to relax? Lay in bed and stare at the ceiling. <laughs> Something meditative, just nothing. Just nothing. Yeah. I say that now, but realistically, if I was given an extra hour, I'd probably end up working. I, I think I'm the definition of a true entrepreneur. Like I'm, I'm so work is my life. You know, it's probably an unhealthy amount, but I, I get so much joy out of what I do and the happiness that we bring to people and the impact we're able to make. And like, we're dessert. I mean, we're part of people's special occasions and weddings. And I mean, it's a big deal, you know, and it can, it can make or break an event. You spend time reading books. I honestly read a lot of cookbooks, all of the barefoot Contessa cookbooks, my cooking style, not necessarily my baking style, but my cooking style is, I feel really drawn to Ina Garten. She's, you mentioned that before. So what's the deal with barefoot Contessa? Like, what is that? I don't know. She's just does. she does classic American food with, um, a lot of European inspiration she's middle-aged rich lives in the hamptons like her life is just cape cod and champagne and caviar and but it's also approachable and comfortable and rustic and homemade and that appeals to me i I like the kind of high and low feel of things you know i like i I can't explain it that sounds right you know like based on the um, stuff of yours that I've had like it's kind of hard to put a finger on but it's just it sounds right yeah like it could be sophisticated if you wanted it to be and in the right or the right setting it could be sophisticated but it's also approachable and comfortable it's not pretentious it's not this it's not a cake that's covered in fondant that looks like play-doh you know you want you look at it and you you see dripping caramel and chocolate sprinkles and frosting and you want to bite into it it's some it's stuff you can you're drawn to you know you crave it that's kind of where we're at. I, I don't like overly complicated food. And with Ina Garten and the Barefoot Contessa and all that, it's simple ingredients. It's basic. It's straightforward. And it's done really well. And that's that's kind of a philosophy I keep in my head. 
if I have to do a recipe that takes 40 steps, I'm not going to do it. I, I'm a lazy baker. I don't want to do it. I want to get the most bang for my buck quickly and do it well. That's where I kind of focus my energy. Yeah. Well, thank, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I think this will be a, a, it'll be a lot of fun to share with people, especially around the Sherwood community. For sure. Happy to do it. You can find Alex and his business, The Hungry Hero, in Old Town in Sherwood, Oregon on Washington Street and at www.thehungryhero.com. If you like this conversation and want to hear more like it, make sure you subscribe to Why Try in your podcast app. You should also check out nicholaspeel.com for a complete list of Why Try episodes, as well as some writing about entrepreneurship, book recommendations, and recipes. I'd also like to ask for your help in leaving a review, which will help others discover Why Try. You can leave a review in your app by clicking library, then shows, why try. Or if you're already listening to why try, just try scrolling down until you see an option to leave a review. That's probably way easier. After leaving a review, uh, just shoot me an email at nicholaspeel at gmail.com and I'll send you two book recommendations as a thank you. The latest review comes from Official Conrad, who says, Why try, why try? Want to feel inspired to achieve your dreams? Listen to this podcast. It's wonderful hearing how ordinary folks take on challenges and overcome their fear of failure to focus on their passions. Thank you, Official Conrad, for leaving a review. The rest of you, good or bad, let me hear it. Leave a review. Music for this podcast is by Cambrian Explosion, who once leapt out of a cake to perform for Paul McCartney's 69th birthday. You can find their sugary songs on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and cepdx.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening.